Hello, welcome to Founder on Founder podcast powered by Phoebe Venture. I'm uh, Olivier, the managing partner of Phoebe Venture, Phoebe being the acronym of uh, for entrepreneur by entrepreneur. We are a 25 million US dollar uh, venture capital firm focused on early stage investment, seed, pre-A, series A, 100 book focused on uh, technology, operating both in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. And we have so far a portfolio of uh, 10 great startups, and one of them being uh, Vara, represented today by one of the two co-founders, Vid. Uh, Vid, welcome to the Phoebe Founder on Founder podcast. Thank you, Olivia. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, yeah, would you please say a, a few words about Vara, what the, the purpose of the company, talk a bit about yourself also and your background? Sure. Uh, so at Vara, we are building basically what we consider to be the future of the labor force. Our goal here is to build software and workflow tools that enable both companies and employees at those companies in the informal labor force across Southeast Asia be a lot more productive and efficient with their tools. Our first product is called Bukugaji, and we launched it in Indonesia about four months ago. I myself am actually not from Indonesia. I grew up in Thailand. Um, I went to the U.S. at around the age of 16, where I finished high school and then went to college. After college, I moved back to uh, Southeast Asia. I started working for Grab under Ming, who at the time and still is actually the president of Grab. Um, it was an amazing experience getting to see the launch of food delivery and mobile payments, you know, the acquisition of Uber, constant fundraising, uh, and large ticket sizes as well. From there, I decided I needed to spend more time with, you know, best in class companies and other best in class founders around the world. So I jumped ship to Iconic, which is a large growth equity fund based out of San Francisco. I sat in Singapore and London for them, looking over Europe and Asia tech investments. And about a year ago, I decided that it was time for me to make a leap to being a founder and starting my own journey. Uh, and that's when I started Vara along with one of, one of my best friends in college, uh, who is now my co-founder. Great, amazing, amazing background. Yeah, after 12 months uh, running uh, Vara, how do you analyze the, the 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 learning that you had in your past experience? You mentioned Grab, you mentioned uh, Iconic Capital. Uh, yep. How those two experience prepare yourself to 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 run a startup like Vara today? I think you know from a business and strategy perspective, being at a place like Grab, especially during the hyper growth period and launching various product lines within the ecosystem of a larger company was a tremendous experience. For me personally, it was the first time interacting you know, between product managers and, and marketers and engineers and, and whatnot and being the quarterback, which is very much like being a founder uh, at a startup. I think at Iconic, just getting exposed to the way different markets operate, with the way innovation takes place at scale uh, and at speed and just seeing the hustle which you have to build a company was also enlightening. But I think over the last 12 months, you know, neither of those experiences or anything in my life really has prepared me for, you know, the more emotional and mental side of the journey, where sometimes being a founder is really not about the business strategy. It's not about whether the market makes sense. It's sometimes about, you know, motivating yourself in a way that allows you to really envision how you want the world to be. I think that is something that I don't think any experience other than being a founder can try to mimic or replicate. And especially, yeah, you went through, I would say, two pivots also in the last uh, in the last twelve months plus operating under, uh, obviously, and during COVID. So, could you uh, could you say a few words about uh, the, the, those two things? Yeah, you know, of course, 
I, I think like as any ex investor who decides to jump into the founder role, you know, we came into the market, uh, specifically Indonesia with a thesis in mind and with a product that we wanted to build, a problem that we wanted to solve. And I think as the impact of COVID hit, we started to get separated by distance, um, away from our customers as well and realized that just what we were trying to build and the problem we were trying to solve just wasn't present. In other words, the market just wasn't pulling the product out of us. And it felt like we were pulling teeth when it came to building the product. And so we tried to pivot in directions that we thought the market would take us, in directions we thought our customers and our segments would be interested in. And that entire process of pivoting, trying, building, experimenting, I think, has been an incredible learning experience, just in understanding the way companies are built and the way we find product market fit and, and whatnot. And I think it's, you know, happy to, to say that we found in a really, really exciting segment that we think we can really innovate for. But those six to nine months of learning in the beginning of the early days, I think really just go to show how important it is to always listen to your users and always listen to what the market wants rather than building in the dark. Yeah, great, great learning, great tips, uh, for, for, for new entrepreneurs. Uh, what about also the fact that you, I mean, yourself being, uh, kind of based in Bangkok and locked there, uh, you co-founder being in the U.S., uh, uh, targeting the Indonesian market. Uh, how all of those constraints and hurdles, like, kind of impact the, the company culture and also the decision that you made on some uh, recruitment? Could you share a bit of your, your, your experience on that? Cause it's, uh, kind of a, a remote a remote play and I believe it can be interesting for some young entrepreneurs who are listening to us today. No, no, of course. You know, I think from our perspective, this is obviously not ideal. I think the circumstance of COVID and, and where we happen to be in the world, you know, when everything went into lockdown resulted in us almost being forced to create the company from a distance and to build a team um, from a distance. So me and my co-founder have been separated by 11,000 miles and 12 hours of time difference for so the entire time that we've been building this company. And I think, you know, building for a language that we don't speak in a culture that we're not familiar with in a geography that we've never lived in is hard enough. I think doing that from a distance while not being in the same room has just been the most challenging experience of our lives. But at the same time, it's also led to incredible discoveries. You know, one of the things that we value a lot at the company is just the process of clarity of thought, the importance of documentation and writing. I think it's opened us up to the ability to hire talent from anywhere in the globe because we are fundamentally remote by circumstance and to really value just the output versus the input. And I think as a result of all that, you know, we've got extremely clean processes across the company where everything is documented. Everyone has clear visibility. Uh, we're oriented as a whole towards a singular goal. And even though we have occasional difficulties when it comes to translating across cultures and languages, I think you know, we've realized that the power of bringing together talent from across the world for a singular focused mission. And now, as the world is starting to clear up from COVID and we're starting to see travel open up, we can really bring everyone together in the same place, having been through this experience. And I think it's for the better. Fantastic start. Another, I mean, really cool milestone that, that you reach, I mean, is uh, in fundraising. Because uh, Vara is backed uh, since day one by uh, Sequoia Capital. And more recently... You were also one of the four startups in Southeast Asia being selected by the Lightspeed uh, kind of accelerator program. So two great milestones. And you have a lot of uh, strong interest from, from several uh, tier one VC in the region. Could you share with the audience your kind of secret sauce in terms of, uh, of fundraising and how do you engage with those uh, premium VC? 
<laughs> no, no, I really appreciate it. And I think we're all just so lucky to be backed by Phoebe. You know, and I think when it comes to fundraising and just thinking through the vision, I think at the early stages, no company has it figured out. You know, whether it's Google or Facebook or any of the other behemoths that really rule the world today, when they first started, it was just an idea. There was no traction. There was no product. There was barely any user love. And so I think, you know, the secret to anything is just making sure that there's really nothing that you can point to. And so a lot of it is about market insights, how you feel about where your belief is in the world and how you want the world to look. And the stronger your conviction in the future that you want to create, the more that's going to come across in the narrative that you share with investors. And obviously, as that company grows, whether it's through pivots or whether it's through actual growth of a product and traction, it's important to realize that there is the company building aspect, making sure you're getting to a product that is going to generate a profit or something for uh, the shareholders. But the other side of it is also making sure that you continue to compound on your vision and continue to really see consistently five or 10 years into the future. And I think that's a really helpful exercise um, for anyone. You know, For anyone who becomes a founder, I think daydreaming is, is part of the job. And I think continuing to do that, even with you in the weeds with product building, is really, really important. In the last, uh, I mean, three, in the last few months together, we had a lot of conversation about uh, engagement versus uh, scale and and growth. Could you a bit share of your experience uh, about how do you iterate, how do you improve the product uh, with the, the the two week sprint you're doing, and how you like define the right balance between engagement and and uh, and scale? Yeah, it's. It- you know, it's definitely a challenge. And I think that any company of any scale is always going to have the same question, which is, should they focus on continuing to build out the value proposition, you know, through engagement and retention and other types of things? Or should they go after scale, which in itself is also a competitive mode? I think, you know, from our perspective, the way we thought about this was scale is something which depends on a variety of levers, right? Whether it's through marketing or whether it's through other types of acquisition loops. I think when it comes to building a product, it's always important to make sure that the baseline of what you're building is good enough so that you're not filling a leaky bucket. You know, consistently losing and churning customers, especially if it's a consumer product, uh, is not the ideal place to be. And so I think it's always a measure of what is the risk appetite. I think focusing purely on growth uh, from a founder perspective is always a dangerous game because at some point you need to sustain that growth. And if the product is consistently churning users, whether it's because of stability or usage or design or workflow, whatever the reason might be, um, growth can only be sustained if the product itself is good enough. And so I think that there's a clear chicken and egg problem here, and both need to be worked on concurrently. Um, but it's, I guess it's up to the risk tolerance and the ability to execute of the founders and the founding team as to which one they want to prioritize in the short run. Yeah, it makes total sense. So to, to conclude this, um, this conversation on a more personal uh, note, would you please share, yeah, the, the, the best advice you, you ever receive and also the, uh, maybe one book that you would like to share with the, with the audience? Yeah, no, of course. You know, I think, I think for me, like many other folks in my position, I think even a lot of my friends in college and just my friends in childhood, all of us have always wanted to go off and do something. You know, I think. Like any child, we dream of making some kind of impact on the world. And I think as we grow older and older, at least for me, I started to feel the constraints of just reality. Where starting a business is actually really, really hard. 
um, you know, making the kind of change in the world that you used to envision as a child is not easy. And so I think thinking through just the different pieces of advice, the, the most common theme is really just around what Michael Jordan once said, which is you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You know, in other words, if you're not willing to bet on yourself to go do something in the world, why should anyone else bet on you? And do you really want to spend your time building someone else's dream? And I think that's one thing that's just resonated with me around what it means to, to be on this earth and why are we really here? And I think a lot of that sentiment is just captured in a book that I've, that I've held on to me for, for a while. And I think it's just one of the most incredible reads ever. It's called When Breath Becomes Air. You know, it was written by a Stanford neurosurgeon who, at some point had just basically accomplished everything. You know, he was a child of immigrants who unfortunately did not have an easy time growing up. He got a scholarship to the top universities in the US, became a doctor, became the youngest resident there, and at the age of 35 was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he had no way out. And he wrote a book in the last year of his life about what it means to have found his calling. And literally for him, in the case of lung cancer, when breath has become air um, for him, and I think just reading through that and thinking through that in the context of my own life and my own purpose and, and what it is that we want to accomplish in the time that we have, I think has been really, really inspiring and motivating for me. Sounds very inspiring. Uh, thanks a lot, Vid. Thanks a lot for sharing your, your experience of the last uh, 12 months as entrepreneur in tech in uh, Southeast Asia. Very inspiring. Uh, all the best and long life to, to Vara uh, in Southeast Asia and maybe in other frontiers. Thanks again uh, and uh, all the best to all the entrepreneurs um, and tech uh, community and ecosystem who are listening to us today. Bye-bye, guys. Take care.